Bismillah Alhamdulillah Hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fih Kama yuhibbu rabbuna wa yarudah Shadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh Al-Nasihu al-Amin Allahumma salli ala nabiyyina muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Wa man tamasika bi sunnatihi Ila yawmiddin Thumma amma ba'd Haddathani jama'atun min al-shuyukh Bi isnad Kullin ila Sufyan bin Uyayna An Amr bin Dinar عن أبي قابوس مولى عبد الله بن عمرو عن عبد الله بن عمرو بن عاص رضي الله تعالى عنهما أنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن ارحموا من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء وقال العلماء ذلك بأن العلم رحمة نتيجته رحمة في الدنيا وغايته رحمة في الآخرة. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said in this tremendous hadith that those who are merciful they will be shown mercy by the most merciful. Be merciful to those who are in the earth and the one who is above the heavens he will show you mercy. The ulama they mention, they say this is because knowledge is mercy. The result of knowledge in this world is mercy. And the ultimate goal of knowledge is mercy in the hereafter. And this hadith is tremendous and due to this, this hadith was a hadith that the Imams of the past, they used to teach to their students. So this hadith is Musalsal bin Awaliyyah. This is a hadith that they will teach to their students, the first hadith. Now, uh, when they were embarking upon seeking knowledge, they, will, they used to teach this hadith to them so as to remind them of this reality that knowledge is mercy. Ala kulli hal. We continue going over the tremendous book by the great Imam, Imam Al-Nawawi, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala. And we have reached the 20 or the 22nd, 22nd hadith, and that is. عن أبي عبد الله جابر بن عبد الله الأنصاري رضي الله تعالى عنه أن رجلا سأل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أن رجلا سأل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال أرأيت إذا صليت المكتوبات on the authority of Abu Abdullah Jabir, 
bin Abdullah al-Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu that verily a man came to the messenger of Allah or that a man asked the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ara'ayta idha salaytu al-maktubat what is your opinion or and we'll come to see yani, in the context of this to inform me if I were to, right? And again, we'll, we'll, we'll touch upon this as the Shaykh, he touches upon what is the meaning of Ara'ayta, right? Because literally it means, have you not seen? Have you not seen, right? But what is intended by it here in this context is inform me that if I were to do X, Y, Z. And then he mentions. So, inshallah, will translate it based upon the meaning, right? But, so inform me if I were to pray the maktubat. Naam, al-maktubat, these are the obligatory prayers, the five prayers. Wasumtu Ramadan. And I fasted Ramadan. وَأَحْلَلْتُ الْحَلَالِ And I considered and deemed permissible that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated as being permissible. وَحَرَّمْتُ الْحَرَامِ and I consider and deem to be impermissible that which Allah has made impermissible. وَلَمْ أَزِدْ عَلَى ذَلِكَ وَلَمْ يَزِدْ عَلَى ذَلِكَ شَيْئًا And I didn't do anything else. Right? I didn't do anything else. If I were to pray my five prayers... Fast in the month of Ramadan. Consider and deem halal. What is halal? Naam. And of course, it enters into that the other you know, deeds that may be connected to what is binding upon a person. Um, and I consider and deem to be haram. What is haram? What Allah Ta'ala has legislated as being haram. What the Prophet وسلم, has informed us uh, as being haram. And I didn't do anything else. Nothing else. Right? Now he says, and I didn't do anything else. Adakhulu Jannah. Would I go to Jannah? Naam, would I go to Jannah? For call Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Naam, yes, you would. Rawahu Muslim. This hadith has been collected by Muslim. Imam al-Nawwi, rahimullahu ta'ala, he mentions, he says, وَمَعْنَا حَرَّمْتُ الْحَرَامْ And the meaning of, I deem and consider what is haram, Haram, meaning what Allah Ta'ala has legislated as being haram, haram, a 
اِشْنَبْتُهُ Meaning that I stay away from it. I consider it and deem it haram and thus I stay away from it. Now, وَالْمَعْنَى أَحْلَلْتُ الْحَلَالِ And the meaning of and I deem and consider what is halal to be halal what I deem and consider what is permissible what Allah Ta'ala has legislated as being permissible as being permissible a فَعَلْتُهُ مُعْتَقِلًا حِلُّهُ نعم or حِلَّهُ Meaning that I do it and I believe that it is halal. That I do it, I perform it, right? And I believe that it is halal. This is the meaning of those particular expressions. وَقَالَ فَضِيلَةُ الشَّيْخِ مُحَدِّثُ الْمَدِينَةِ الشَّيْخِ الْعَلَّامَةِ عَبْدُ الْمُحْسَنِ الْعَبَادِ الْبَدَرِ حَفِظُهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى He mentions in commenting Upon this tremendous hadith, he says, الحديث, that there comes in some of the chains of this hadith, Muslim, in the authentic collection of a hadith that are found in Sahih al Muslim. Sahih Muslim. It mentions who is, it mentions the name of the man, meaning the questioner. It mentions the name of of this noble Sahabi, the one who is putting forward this question, right? Now, I just want you to reflect and to consider because as mentioned, the Sahaba, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they used to ask better questions than us. Naam? They used to ask better questions than us. If you listen, and this is not knocking anyone who has to ask a question that is related to the affairs of the dunya. It's not knocking anyone because we have to know how to implement and carry out those things that we have to implement and carry out as relates to the affairs of, of, of this world. So no one is knocking that, right? However, you'll find the Sahaba, their questions were centered around the Akhirah. Now, the questions were centered around the Akhirah. As in the hadith that we had taken in last week's class, right? In which the Prophet ﷺ, he responded and he asked yeah, to, uh, to tell me something that I don't have to ask anyone about it after you or other than you. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, what did he say to him? Say, I believe in Allah and then become upright. This is a question that is linked to the affairs of the religion. Naam. So you find that this was the nature of the, uh, uh, many of the questions of the Sahaba. How do I be a better Muslim? Who is the best Muslim? What is the best deed? Why do you want to know what is the best deed? So we can do it, right? Who are, what are the characteristics of the best Muslims? Why is that asked? So that we can adorn ourselves with those characteristics, so we can act like that, right? Uh, so on and so forth. And the questions are linked to the Akhirah. How do we benefit in the Akhirah? So you find his question was, if I were to do this, and I were to do this, and this, and this, would I enter into the Jannah? Would I enter into the Jannah? Now again, this is contrary to a lot of our questions. Our questions, when we get the opportunity to ask the early questions, a lot of times, they are linked around the affairs of this world. Right? And, yani, uh, depending upon what region or these questions are coming from, 
then you find a vast majority of the questions are linked to the affairs of marriage and divorce. More cases than not are linked more, more so to the rulings of divorce. If this and this and this, does a divorce count? In this type of situation, can a woman ask for khula? Right? So on and so forth. Which shows you that there is a fundamental problem in certain areas of the Muslims here in uh, America that the vast majority of the questions will be these type of questions. In any event, the questions the Sahaba they used to ask, they were concerned, they were as relates to the deen, as relates to their benefiting in the akhirah. How do I go to Jannah? How do I be a better Muslim? So on and so forth. The name of this Sahaba, as Sheikh Abdul Muhsin, he mentions, he says that his name was An Nu'man bin Qawl Qal. An Nu'man bin Qawl Qal. And I spell with Qaf, Waw, Qaf, Lam. Lam. Upon the Qaf, Fatha, Sukun on the Waw. The next qaf has on it a fatha and then a lam. Qawqal. So it was al-Nu'man bin Qawqal. Radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Wa qawlu sa'il. And the statement of the questioner. Ara'ayta. Which is sometimes translated as, have you not seen? Ma'na. The meaning of it is, as alluded to. And if I inform me that if I were to do if I were to do these things, would I enter into the Jannah? If I were to do these things, would I enter into the Jannah? This is the meaning of Araita. And this is a good example to show that to translations, the most accurate translations are not word-for-word word translations. Because when you try to translate word-for-word, word, there are things that are lost due to the, the, the nuances of a language, right? Uh, so on and so forth, the things that are lost. But rather, the translation have to be meaning for meaning. What is the meaning? And then that is what is conveyed. And here, the meaning of ara'ayta, which is generally, have you, have you not seen? Here, in this context, it means inform me that if I were to do this and this and this, will I enter into the Jannah? Naam. So that's a very important point to, to know. And bithnilahi ta'ala, let it serve as another point that will encourage us to learn Arabic and to become more familiar with uh, the language in which the Qur'an was revealed, the language in which the Prophet wasallam he conveyed the message and he taught the, message of the, the language of the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Shaykh he mentions, he says, nextly, and the Shaykh he has arranged these in bullet points. Or the Shaykh he has arranged these in, in points, as you can say. So when one going through their notes, then they could make bullet points so as to help them better capture and, and, and study and capture the meaning of this hadith. So the first bullet point will be the name of the questioner. The first bullet point will be the name of the questioner and where his name appears. So there comes other 
chains. There comes other routes for this particular narration inside of Sahih Muslim, where it's mentioned that his name is what? What's his name? Koshanan? Yeah, yeah. Nu'man bin Qawqal. Ahsant. The next bullet point will be the meaning of the phrase Ara'ayta. Naam. That literally it means, have you not seen? But here, in this context, the meaning of it is, inform me that if I were to do the following, would I enter into Jannah? Inform me that, that were I to do the following, would I enter into Jannah? Right? So then the next, the next um, bullet point will be surrounding the things in which were mentioned. So the Shaykh, he mentions, he says, Al-umur allati sa'ala anhu, yani an dukhulihi al-jannah idha fa'alaha and the things in which he questioned that if he were to do them, whether or not he would enter into Jannah, then they were as-salat was-siyam وَإِحْلَالُ الْحَرَاقِ وَإِحْلَالُ الْحَلَالِ أَحْوَانِ وَإِحْلَالُ الْحَلَالِ وَتَحْرِيمُ الْحَرَامِ نعم The affairs in which he asks about the name were the prayer fasting deeming what is halal halal deeming what is permissible permissible and deeming what is impermissible impermissible These are the things that he asked about so now in this, the Shaykh, Ta'ala, he mentions some obvious things that are not there. And he explains to us the meaning or the possibility of their absence and why they're not mentioned. Or why they are not mentioned explicitly. But it could be understood that they are mentioned implicitly, that they are implied. They are implied. Some of the um, some of the expressions point to them. Some of the expressions point to them. He says, وَلَيْسَ فِيهَا ذِكْرُ وَالْحَجْ He said, and it, it was not mentioned the zakat, nor was hajj mentioned. Hajj was not mentioned, and zakat was not mentioned, right? A person may ask, why? How come he didn't mention hajj, and how come he didn't mention a zakat? The shaykh, he says, فَيَحْتَمِنْ أَنَّ الْحَجْ لَمْ يُذْكَرْ لِأَنَّهُ لَمْ يَكُنْ قَدْ فُرِضَ He said, it's possible that hajj was not mentioned because it had yet to be legislated. It had yet to be legislated and made an obligation. So it was before the command to make hajj yani, uh, was given that this question had, had, had taken place. So the timeline is what is prior to hajj becoming obligatory. This is a possibility. Again, this is a possibility that is possible, he asked, before hajj was made obligatory. Right? Walam. تذكر الزكاة احتمال أن يكون فقيرا وليس عنده مال يزكى. And then it's possible 
he didn't mention the zakat, the charity, because he was poor. And he didn't have money by way in which to give zakat from. Right? He was poor. And he didn't have money in which to give zakat from. This, these are possibilities why the hajj and the zakat is not mentioned. These are possibilities why they were not mentioned. But also, they could be implied. They could be implied. Right? And thus their mention will be implicit. It will be implied. And that is, That the zakat and the hajj could enter under the statement of make, making permissible that which is permissible. Because making permissible that which is permissible, Imam Noe said, what does that mean? It means that we carry it out believing in its permissibility. We carry it out believing in its permissibility. So if zakat, yani, uh, uh, if a person's money rather should say, have reached the Nisab and, and, and a whole year went by and is upon him to give zakat, then he'll give zakat. Why? Because this is an obligation. He has to do it. Naam? And he knows that this is what Allah Ta'ala has legislated, so he has to comply. Likewise, if they have reached the conditions by way in which now the hajj becomes an individual responsibility upon him because he has the financial means and he has the physical means, right, so on and so forth, then he has to make hajj. Now this will enter into what uh, deeming what is permissible, permissible, and also this will enter into yani tahrim al-haram, the deeming what is impermissible, impermissible, because if a person, if there are those who it is obligatory upon them to pay zakat and they do not pay zakat, then that's what? That's haram. He's not allowed to do it. Right? So by deeming what is impermissible, impermissible means that he'll avoid those impermissible things. Likewise, when a person has the ability and the opportunity and he has the ability because they have financially and physically to make the hajj, then they have to make hajj. Naam? Then they have to make the hajj. And not making the hajj after that point is something that is not permissible. So therefore, because he deems what is not permissible to be not permissible, then he won't do that. He'll make hajj. Right? So, even though they're not mentioned explicitly, they're mentioned implicitly, they're implied. Because they enter into the meaning of those last two phrases. Naam, in which he asked about radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Also in that, before going on to the next point, it's important, and I, and I want to highlight, and it has to be highlighted due to the, the time that we live in and the place and the area in which we live in, is that as Muslims, we have to make sure that we hold on to our values. We have to make sure that we hold on to our creed and our values. And from our creed and from our values is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has given us guidance in every aspect of our life. Naam, there is guidance for in every aspect of our life. So what is acceptable and not acceptable, then that is weighed by the book and the sunnah upon the understanding of the salaf of this ummah, upon the understanding of the sahaba. That's how we determine what is okay, what is not okay. What is acceptable, what is not acceptable. What we can tolerate and what is not negotiable, we cannot tolerate that. And this is of extreme importance because we are bombarded by a group of individuals who would like to force their ideals and their ideas upon us. Will force us to 
um, tolerate their ways, tolerate their definitions and their values and so on and so forth, while at the same time having a complete disregard for our values, for our ideals, so on and so forth. Now, so it is incumbent that we know who we are. So when the onslaught of the LGBT community and whatever other letters they may add to it at any given point, period, and time, Nam, we are not allowed to accept what they are upon because what they are upon is not acceptable in the deen, has never been accepted in the deen, has never been accepted by any prophet nor any messenger, has never been accepted in any legislation of any prophet or any messenger, but rather we have clear texts which point to the, the prohibition of the lifestyle that these individuals have chosen. Okay? And I'm very clear, very intentful in my expression. The lifestyle that these individuals have chosen, they were not born that way. They were not born that way. This is a lifestyle that they have chosen for themselves. Okay? This is that in which they have adopted for themselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them free will to do that. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given human beings the free will to be obedient or to be disobedient. Right? Has given them free will to believe or not to believe. So, they have chosen this lifestyle. They have chosen not to believe. They have chosen that which previous nations were destroyed for. The stories of Qomulut are well known amongst the Muslims. The stories, the, yani the same story that is more recognizable amongst the people of the book as the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is well known amongst the people of the book. The Jews and the Christians, they're well familiar with this story and what was the outcome of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the outcome of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Who are the people of Sodom and Gomorrah? They were people who in modern day times were fall under the banner of the LGBTQ and then whatever other letters you want to add to it. They will fall under that banner. That would be their category. Okay? That would be their category. And what happened to them happened to them. So, are we now to act as if this doesn't exist? To act as if this, is, this, this did not happen? So therefore... It wasn't okay then, but it's okay now. No, as, as Muslims, we, ha we are consistent. The truth is consistent. So as Muslims, we don't accept it. We don't, we don't tolerate it. Meaning that what? Meaning that we don't deem it okay. It's not okay. We're not, we're not ashamed to say it's not okay. Because if we're going to deem, believe, yani, and consider what is permissible, permissible, and what is impermissible, impermissible, then we're not allowed to accept it. We're not allowed. We're not allowed to okay it. We're not allowed to tolerate it. Right? So we believe it's wrong. We believe it's wrong. We believe it's a sin because it's a sin. We believe it's haram, it's impermissible because it's impermissible. And that does not change with us. And we're not ashamed to say that 
the same way they are not ashamed to say who they are and what they deem and what they believe and what they're on, then why should we be ashamed to express who we are, what we deem, what we believe, and what we're on? Why should we be, why should we be shy to say, I don't accept that? But we have to listen to them being brave and telling us who they are and what they're about. Do you understand? Do you understand how emasculating that is? What they're trying to push down our throats? That they can say who they are and wave their banner and their flag with pride, as they call it, right? And, 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 and everyone is supposed to accept that. And I'm, I'm not supposed to say something. I'm supposed to be scared to say something. Scared for what? Scared to say what Allah Ta'ala has informed us? Scared to say what the Prophet Sallallahu has informed us? No, I'm not scared to say that. It's wrong. We don't accept it. We don't agree. Period. Now, does that mean that we oppress them? Does that mean that we yeah, I mean, treat them bad and you know, vandalize their properties and beat them up and things of this nature? No. We don't do none of that. Right? But at the same time, we don't accept it. Okay? That makes sense? And, and it's very important. And it's very, and I, and I want to stress this. Because listen, at the, end, at the end of the affair, what they're doing is despicable, is nasty, is disgusting. Right? And, and that's what I'm saying. Because nasty, disgusting, despicable. Okay. However, shirk is worse. Shirk is worse. You understand? And this is how the Muslims, the, the people of the Sunnah are balanced. Yes, we don't accept it. It's, 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 it's a deplorable sin. But shirk is worse. So if the pagans and the polytheists, if it's not open season and everybody just beating them up and harassing them and vandalizing their properties and so on and so forth, then we're not going to do that to those who are committing a lesser crime of homosexuality. You understand? However, it's, it's still nasty and disgusting. But as Muslims, the response from us is to believe what we believe and to, stand, and to stand firm upon that. But it's not to oppress anyone. It's not to hurt anyone. It's not to treat anyone you know, any malice or, 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 or evil or so on and so forth. No, not at all. But at the same time, at the same time, that doesn't mean that we allow the likes of these individuals to spread their ideologies in our spaces. You, you understand? The, the same way we don't let worse in our spaces we don't let this in our spaces because it's still evil and despicable it just as compared to shirk is worse but it's still horrible right it's still horrible and 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 here is the and and uh, yani, and here is the point we don't allow their propaganda in our spaces so that no we're not going to tolerate to hear that they can say whatever they want to say wherever they at okay they can do whatever they want to do wherever they at. We don't condone that. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't allow it. We don't yani, co-sign it. You know, we don't support it. Not at all. And I'm stressing this, and this is why I'm stressing this, right? Because I don't want people to say, well, why, why are they targeted? You know, why are they? They're targeted because you have Muslims that have become their advocates. You have astray Muslims who have become their advocates because they are on this by any means necessary type of mentality. And they see that, and they're on this mentality that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. 
This is not our way. They will come and they'll say, but we have the same cause. They are an oppressed class. So as an oppressed class, as a minority and an oppressed class, we don't have the right to discriminate against another oppressed class and so on and so forth. Right now, this is under the guise and under the understanding that it works in the way in which these individuals say it works. But our frame of reference is not they're oppressed, we're oppressed, so we can't oppress those who are oppressed. No, it doesn't work like that because we're not out to oppress them. However, our frame of reference is what we are allowed to do according to the Kitab and the Sunnah, what we are not allowed to do according to the Kitab and the Sunnah, what we are, yani, uh, what is acceptable according to the Kitab and the Sunnah, and what is not acceptable according to the Kitab and the Sunnah. And in Kitab and the Sunnah, now we acknowledge what is real. So if they're oppressed, okay, they're oppressed. They're a minority, their rights are infringed upon, okay, their rights are infringed upon. However, if we happen to coincide with some of the same rights being infringed upon, we fight for our rights. We don't fight for their rights. We fight for our rights. You understand? We don't fight for their rights. And the reality of it is, is that, again, it's, it's extremely emasculating. It's extremely disrespectful. Yani, it's extremely pitiful and pathetic that the Muslims will stand up and fight for their rights. When you find that these individuals, they don't fight for us. So why are we supposed to fight for them? Overall, they don't fight for us. But so why should we fight for them? Okay? They hijack movements and yani, things that are uh, uh, designed to, to bring up downtrade classes, they hijack it for their purpose, for their end. In turn, they don't even turn around and support these people whose movements they have hijacked. They use it for their own, yani, for their own uh, agenda to uh, accomplish their own agenda. So the point is, is that as Muslims, we have Izzah. So when we look at it from a textual standpoint, as far as our deen, we can't accept it, right? And then from an intellectual standpoint, why should we accept it? You don't fight for us, well, why are we going to fight for you? And even if you did fight for us, we're still not going to fight for you. Why? Because we're not allowed. Allah does not allow us to support what you're upon. Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala he says, Ta'awanu ala al-birri wa taqwa wa la ta'awanu ala al-ithmi wa al-udwan. Cooperate upon birr and taqwa. Cooperate upon righteousness and piety. And do not cooperate upon sin and transgression. So for all those Muslims who say, no, but we have to support them because they are a minority class who have their rights infringed upon, then my question to them, the Muslims, are, what do you do with this verse? Because helping them, is that not cooperation upon sin and transgression? Because you're helping them to have rights so that a man can say and declare himself as a woman and now use a woman's bathroom? So that a woman could declare herself as a man and now use the man bathroom? So that this type of ideology could be taught to our small children? That gender is a choice? This is what, this, this is what you want to help fight for? So that a man and a man can get married? This is what you want to help fight for? So that a woman and a woman can get married? This is what you, what you want to help fight for? So do you feel comfortable now coming on the day of judgment, standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and said that I help people do what you said was impermissible? I help a man and a man get married. 
I help a woman and a woman get married. I help a man and a man adopt a child. I help a woman and a woman adopt a child to teach that child this type of ideology. I allow this ideology to spread amongst the people and I supported it because they were in the same boat as we were as far as having their rights infringed upon. So by helping them, I was helping us, but I helped them in sin. And I hope them in disobedience unto you, O oh Allah Ta'ala. That's what you want to come and say, O Mulqiyama? O oh Allah, this ayah from your book, and do not cooperate upon sin and transgression, I totally threw that to the back burner because I was more concerned of the plight of the people in Palestine. I was more concerned with the downtrodden Muslims here, 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 so on and this. So you know what? I took, I took your ayah and threw it behind my back. It's sad that it has to be stressed like this for Muslims. But unfortunately, the Muslims with the yani, and, and, and yeah, with the biggest platforms, right? The biggest reach, so on and so forth, you find this is what they're promoting. This is what they say. We say no. We're not allowed to accept that. Period. We're not gonna help and aid and assist in any of that. No way. The next point in the bullet points, I digress. The next point in the bullet points, getting back to this hadith, is that in this hadith, the Shaykh mentions in hadith, in the hadith, there is a mentioning of performing only the obligatory deeds, right? And there's not in it any mention of the voluntary deeds. There's not in it any mention of the voluntary deeds. And whoever does this, whoever establishes what is obligatory, but they don't do any voluntary acts, whoever it is like this, then he is one who was in the middle. Then he is one who is in the middle, right? As as can be seen, and if he Taala, as can be seen in Allah Taala statement, thumma thumma arathna al kitab al ladina stafina min ibadina, and then we had given them as inheritance, yani the book from the slaves in which we had chosen, from our slaves in which we had chosen. From them, from them, there were those who were oppressive to themselves, meaning those who they mix, yani they did some wrong, yeah, there's some sin, so on and so forth. They oppressed themselves. And from them were those who were moderate. And we want to focus on this. The Shaykh he says, those who establish what is wajib, but they don't establish what is recommended, then this is, yani, meaning, these are those who were between this and between that. So at the bare minimum, the bare minimum is a person doing what is wajib. Okay? Doing what is wajib, that's the person who was upon, uh, yeah, in the middle in this context. Okay? That's the person who was in the middle in this context. When we're looking at those who are coming up short, oppressing themselves, those who they excel, they go above and beyond, and then those who do what is required, what is necessary. 
So but in these categories, what's the middle category? Those who do what is required and what is necessary. That is the bare minimum. So the bare minimum is not praying three times a day or 2.5 times a day. No, the bare minimum is praying five times a day. That's the bare minimum. The bare minimum is not fasting some of Ramadan, but the bare minimum is fasting Ramadan. The bare minimum is not the sister who she covers when she comes to the masjid. No, the bare minimum is a sister who covers whenever she leaves the house, period. That's the bare minimum. Naam? And it's important that we understand that. That yani, um, the bare minimum is doing what is wajib upon you to do. That is the bare minimum. Not this other stuff that people try to try 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 to bring, and this is as a reminder that what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala sets the limits. Allah sets the limits and He sets the standards. Not us. It is not us. We do not set the limits, nor do we set the standards. We do not say what is the bare minimum and what is going above and beyond. It is not us who says yani, what is moderation and what is not moderation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has defined what is moderation. The Prophet sallallahu he has defined what is moderation. And that is, the, that is it. No one could bring a definition or set a limit or set a standard that will supersede that which was legislated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which came in the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Kariha man kariha, radiya man radiya. Hate it who hate it, like it who like it. That's the reality. And for those who don't believe it is so, then it is like those who don't believe that ice is cold and fire is hot. Right? You can argue with them all day long. They don't want to believe ice is cold? Okay. It doesn't change the fact that ice is cold. You don't want to believe that fire is hot and it burns? Okay. It doesn't change the fact that fire is hot and it burns. So if you want to stick your hand in the fire, the fuck bug. Go ahead. Enjoy yourself. You understand? You want to, you want to put your hand in, 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 uh, in, in ice? Okay. The fuck bug. Enjoy yourself. It doesn't change the fact that what's cold is cold, what's hot is hot. Right? And this is the reality. As they say, it is what it is. At the end of the day, it is what it is. A person's desires does not change reality. What is acceptable is what Allah Ta'ala says acceptable. What is the standard is what Allah Ta'ala said what the standard is. What is the limit is what Allah Ta'ala said the limits are. Period. No one would, 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 would change the hudud. The hudud of who? Hudud Allah. The limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. So Allah Ta'ala in this ayah, he says that from my slaves there are those who they wrong themselves and others who are in the middle. And from them are those who excel in doing good deeds. And from them are those who excel in doing good deeds by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those who excel, then these are those who they do the, the, uh, the obligatory affairs. Right? They establish what is obligatory and they go above and beyond and they do also what is voluntary. Okay? So those who excel, then they are those who do what is obligatory and then they go above and beyond and they also do voluntary. Now, And by doing this, then, yani, uh, or the Shaykh mentioned, he says, وَفَعْرَ الْوَاجِبَاتِ وَتَرُكُ مُحَرَّمَاتِ يعني سَبَبٌ يعني في الدخول الجنة. And doing what is obligatory and staying away from what is haram then this is from the causes and the reason that a person will enter into the Jannah. Now, this is for the causes and the reasons that a person will enter into the Jannah. And what is meant, yani, this is from the causes and the reasons of a person's yani, final uh, um, station in Jannah. 
Now, for a person's final station uh, in Jannah. Lakin, al-Ityan, but the Shaykh, he mentions that, that just doing what is wajib, now, this is the bare minimum. If a person were to do that and stick to what is wajib and make uh, and deem what is halal, halal, and what is haram, haram, then they'll go to Jannah, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, and what dalil, this hadith, hadha hadith. Naam. And what is the proof is this hadith. Naam. Hadha al-hadith. Like, the Shaykh, he says, but, and this is drawing our attention, and this is an encouragement. He said, but, al-itsyan bin nawafil, but doing the voluntary deeds, ma'al fara'id, coupled with the obligatory deeds. Why? Because doing the voluntary is not going to benefit you if you're not doing the obligatory. Now, and it, 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 it seems, yani, my common sense that that be pointed out. However, there are some who don't understand this. And this is just due to ignorance. Now, this is due to a gross amount of ignorance. Because, and this is not, I'm not telling you something in theory, right? Um, but I've had an individual tell me one time in trying to say some good words about themselves. We'll say it like that. And trying to say some good words about themselves in defense because they, they you know, whatever. They mentioned, they said, oh, but I pray Qiyamulayl every night. I pray Qiyamulayl every night. Granted, sometimes I might miss a shot, but I make sure I pray that Qiyamulayl. And they truly thought there was a virtue in what they were saying. They really believed this. And I tried my best to explain to them that what is most important is the obligatory prayer. So it's better for you to pray Isha and then sleep until Fajr. That's better for you. But to skip Isha and then to pray the night prayer, this is not going to help you. This is not going to help you. You have to establish what is obligatory. And Allahu A'lam, if the person understood what I was trying to convey, because they actually argue with me about this point. They argued. But I still pray, but at night you can't take away the fact I pray at night. No, I'm not taking that away. But I'm saying if you're doing the voluntary and you're skipping the obligatory, that's a problem. That's not good. You're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. You know? May Allah Ta'ala guide us all. Um, but it, 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 we live in a time that ignorance has become extremely widespread. So at times, and I apologize for those who you know, may, 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 may contemplate or wonder why am I mentioning that, which is obvious and thus really shouldn't maybe be mentioned, is because for some people um, it, it needs to be played out. In any event, we have to do the voluntary with, coupled along with the obligatory. Yeah, meaning you do the obligatory, that's your standard, that's the given, that's the default, and then you add the voluntary along to it. The Shaykh he says, you because when you do the, uh, the voluntary, this will help complete the obligatory. Right? Then when you do the voluntary, this will help complete the obligatory. If you didn't do it all the way. So in other words, if a person, they pray the voluntary prayers, the voluntary prayers act as a patch for the obligatory prayers, right? If they came up short in their obligatory prayers, so their obligatory prayers has what? Has holes in it. 
the obligatory prayer has holes in it because they didn't do them the best in which they were supposed to do them. So now what, what will fill these holes? The voluntary prayers. The voluntary prayers, that is that which will fill these holes and that is that which will encourage us upon the, uh, the obligatory prayers as the Sheikh is going to point out. It helps us with the obligatory. Doing the voluntary helps us with the obligatory. The Sheikh, he mentions, he says, um, as far as um, the, the uh, voluntary filling in the obligatory and completing the obligatory, he says, To the end. He says is that, and that which will point to the fact that the volunt that the voluntary helps complete the obligatory. He says, and this comes in authentic hadith on the Prophet وسلم, on the Messenger of Allah وسلم, that has been collected by Abu Dawood at Turmadi Wabun Majah uh, uh, like this. and also Fanawafil here Kasiyaj That the Nawafil it is like a barrier, it's like a it's like a fence. It's like a fence for the obligatory deeds. Nam Wamakana Muhafidan Aliha Kana Ashadda Muhafawa Al Farail because a fence is put up to add a layer of security. Right? You put up a fence to add a layer of security for the main structure. That makes sense? So the more fortified the fence is, then the more fortified the main structure. So the more you preserve the fence, the more the main structure is preserved. That makes sense? That makes sense? So likewise, when you look at this, when you look at this yani, uh, analogy, then you will see that it makes no sense to build a fence around an empty lot. What are you protecting? You don't have a house. Are you going to build a fence? For what? There's no buildings, no structure, but you build a fence? For what? What are you protecting? The dandelions and the, and the, and the Spanish moss on the tree? Like, what are you, what are you protecting? I, I don't understand. Yeah. So, the obligatory has to be there. And the, and the voluntary, it acts as a fence fortifying, fortifying the obligatory. So, for example, the person who becomes the person who yani, makes it a point to make sure they wake up so they can pray the sunnah of fajr. Yeah? As the Prophet said, said, Rakati fajr, Rakati fajr, khayru min dunya wa ma fiha. Okay, maqal in Nabi That the two units of prayer for fajr is better than the dunya and that which is in it. So because of this, the person says, okay, I want to pray those two voluntary prayers before Fajr. So they make sure they get up to pray those prayers. Getting up to pray those prayers helps them to pray what? Fajr on time. You're already up. You're not going to pray those and then go back to sleep. Because as Sheikh Abdul Razak, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abad al-Badr, he mentions, he says, that the hadith of the Prophet said, Fajr, is better than the dunya that which in it. He said, then this is what an indication that what that fajr is better than that. Because if the voluntary is better than the world and everything that is in it, then the obligatory that is connected to is even better than that. Right? So a person that misses fajr 
you have really missed out on a lot. You have really lost. You have really lost. Okay? This will help strengthen with that. وَمَنْ تَسَاهَلَ بِهَا قَدْ يَجُرُّهُ ذَلِكَ إِلَى الْإِخْلَالِ بِالْفُرَائِضُ And whoever is lackadaisical as relates to the voluntary, this will have an impact and lead to the individual having deficiencies in the obligatory. And then the Shaykh, he brings some points of benefit, six points of benefit that are distracted from his hadith. The first point of benefit is حرص الصحابة على معرفة الأعمال التي تدخل الجنة. Is that is that the Sahaba's dedication and striving and diligence and knowing what are those actions by way in which a person will enter into Jannah? What are the actions that are by way in which the person will enter into Jannah? The second أن الأعمال سبب في دخول الجنة is that actions are a reason and a cause by way in which a person goes to Jannah. Meaning that the people who enter into Jannah, they are adorned with the likes of these uh, actions, right? So if a person don't pray, okay, Jannah is not even a question for you, okay? Jannah is not even a possibility. You don't pray, Jannah is not a possibility, okay? You know, doing yourself, by believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Jannah is not even an option for you, right? You don't believe in the prophets and the messengers, Jannah is not an option for you. Because you have to believe in the prophets and the messengers. You have to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to believe. You have to enter into Islam. Enter into Islam. You have to submit yourself into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a Muslim. Upon Tuhid, upon true monotheism. Naam, so on and so forth. To the end of it. And, and being compliant and, uh, to the rules and regulations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to do this. If you don't do this, then you're not eligible. So this is what is meant by the actions are a cause by way in which a person will enter into Jannah. Because as we know, the ultimate reason that we enter into Jannah is not due to anything that we have done, but it's by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as it comes in other authentic hadith. That we enter into Jannah ultimately due to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, he, that He's bestowed upon us. The bounty that Allah ta'ala bestowed upon us, that's how yani, those who enter into Jannah will enter into Jannah. But the actions and the deeds in which we have done, then this will raise a person's rank in Jannah. Naam. So the more we put forward, the more ikhlas, the more tawheed, naam, the more tawheed, and I, and I want to stress this point, the more tawheed, the more sincerity, the more yani, uh, uh, ikhlas that we do, we do only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The stronger our tawheed, the higher is going to be our level in Jannah. So the one who has strong tawheed, he has strong ikhlas for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this individual, even though they may have less uh, deeds overall, their deeds are more are higher in value due to their ikhlas. A person who gives a penny sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is better than a person that gave trillions and they were showing off. Person gave trillions, but they were showing off. What's going to happen to them trillions that they gave? What's, what, what's the reward for it? Scattered dust. They get nothing. A person gave a penny sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's the value of that? Allah knows best. But we know what it's not. We don't know what the ultimate, what the calculation may end at. But we know what it's not. And what is that? It's not worth one cent. 
It's not worth one cent. We know that. How much is worth in reality? We don't know. Billions, trillions, hundreds of trillions. We don't know. But we know it's not worth one cent. Because ikhlas increases the value. Sincerity increases the value of the deen. So the more sincere we are, coupled with doing what we are supposed to do and doing what is recommended for us to do, then that will raise a person's level in the Jannah. Third point of benefit is that Bayan it points us to the fact of the importance of the five daily prayers. And it comes inside of a hadith and it comes in a hadith that verily the five daily prayers and they are the supporting pillar of Islam. The fourthly, Ramadan. It points out the importance of fasting in the month of Ramadan. Fifthly, is that a Muslim, they consider and they deem what is permissible, permissible, believing in its permissibility. And they stay away from what is impermissible, believing in its impermissibility. Now, six. بيان بطلان قول من زعم يعني من الصوفية نعم is a clear indication which points out in the most clearest of ways and of fashions the erroneous statement and assumption of the Sufis those who say أن الإنسان لا يعبد الله that a person is not yani, supposed to it's, what they, yani, uh, it's not supposed to worship Allah having any desire for Jannah nor having any fear from going to the fire this is what the Sufis say now, that you're not supposed to worship Allah because you want to go to heaven and because you're scared of going to hell that don't, that don't enter into it. And they try to belittle people like this. Is it people who worship like that? These, these, these low people. We don't worship because we're scared of Allah. And we don't worship because we want anything from Allah. We just worship because we love Allah. You see how shaitan wraps the, the falsehood? Right? The shaykh said, But Allah's يعني, Khalil, Ibrahim, Ibrahim, Abraham, Ibrahim What did he say? Allah Ta'ala informs us about the statement of Ibrahim Allah Ta'ala he says That Ibrahim said And make me from those who inherit the gardens of bliss So Ibrahim what? In that statement he's asking Allah Oh Allah make me from those who inherit the gardens of bliss Make me from the people of Jannah which shows an indication that what? That Ibrahim wanted Jannah. Ibrahim wanted to go to Jannah. He desired to go to Jannah. Right? So is there anything wrong with desiring to go to Jannah? Of course not. Of course not. Right? The Prophet Sallallahu taught us the dua. He taught us to, to ask for Jannah. Right or wrong? The Prophet Sallallahu he taught us to ask Allah to Jannah. 
Allahumma inna nas'aluka jannah. Oh Allah, we ask you to go to the jannah. When I'udhu bika min al-nar. And we seek refuge in you from the fire. So if it was wrong to have a desire to go to heaven, and if it was wrong to be scared of going to the fire, then we would never have been taught the likes of these supplications. Asking for Jannah and seeking refuge from the fire. So what these Sufis say, okay, they may beautify it, but then when, when it is analyzed, you realize that it is completely erroneous. It's baseless. It's contradicting the clear text from the Quran and from the Sunnah. We, 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 we are to desire to go to the Jannah. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed ayat describing the bliss of Jannah. What's that for? Our entertainment thing? Because we're not supposed to want it? No, it's so that it's an encouragement for us to want these things and thus to strive for them and to work for them. They're an encouragement for us to want it. But those ayat that were revealed telling us the horrors of the hellfire, and what is awaiting those individuals who are disobedient unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is that revealed? Just FYI? Just for us to know? No. So we'd be scared of it. The Prophet himself said, Fear the fire. Meaning what? Take a wiqayani. Take a shield between yourself and between the fire. Be scared of going to, of, of, uh, 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 from going to hell. Be scared from going to the fire. By taking a barrier between you and between the fire. Even if that barrier is that you give a piece of a date as charity. That you give a piece of a date as charity. Give charity. Do righteous good deeds. Why? Because you're scared of going to the fire. The Prophet would he have taught us that? You understand? So when these Sufis come and then they say the disrespectful things about those who want Jannah and they make it seem like, oh, you, you pray because you want to go to Jannah? Ah, look what a, you know, this is this is a person that he worship like his commerce. It's like an exchange. Oh, oh, you 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 staying away from Zina because you scared of going to the fire? Ah, see, this person is like he's worshiping like it's, like, 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 like it's an exchange. It's a business deal. And they put him down. And this is because what they're pointing a satanic way. Oh, no, no, we only worship because we love Allah. We want nothing in return. Yeah, subhanAllah. Who do you even think you are? You want nothing in return. Allah Ta'ala, who will ekmar? Who will alim? Yani, subhanAllah. You're not scared of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. What's wrong with you? You're not scared of Allah Azza wa Jal. What's wrong with you? Allah Ta'ala, who will rahman rahim? You don't have desire yani, for, 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 for the bounty of Allah because he's the most merciful to bestow of mercy. You don't, you're, not, you're not yearning that Allah Ta'ala bestows his mercy upon you. You don't want that. You want me to believe it's all about love? Like, who do you even think you are? That your love is worth what? Right? What's love got to do? <laughs> no, it has, it has its point. You know, we worship Allah Ta'ala because we love Allah. Now, this is a motivation. But to say that, nah, I don't want Jannah. So, what are you saying? You too good for Jannah? You ain't on Jannah like that? If a person came to you and said, listen, man, um, I have some food here for you, this, this, that, and that. Nah, I, ain't, man, I ain't come over here for all that. I just came to check you out. I don't care about your food. I'm good. How about you understand from that? He's not in need of my food. Or he's too good for my food. Or my food's not good enough for him. This is how you look at Jannah? You too good for it? It's not good enough for you? You're not really worried about that? Like, what is this, man? What are you talking about? It's Jannah. Who in their right mind don't want to go? <laughs> you understand? Who in their right mind don't want to go? Are you kidding me? It's Jannah. Of course I want to go to Jannah. Right? The hellfire is, is terrifying. Of course I don't want to go to hell. Of course I'm scared of going to hell. 
I don't want a law to punish me. Of course I'm scared of that. You'll be a fool to say you're not scared of that. And you'll be a liar because nobody in their right mind is, is not scared of that. But this is what the Sufi teach. They teach you to have these conflicts, these lies. Right? They teach you to have these conflicts within yourself. You're believing in a concept that deep down you know is completely false. Deep down you know, I don't really think like that. But you keep saying it and you keep telling others and trying to convince yourself and so on and so forth. The likes will drive you crazy. That's why Imam Shafi he says, whoever accompanies a Sufi, by Vuhar, he'll, he'll, be, he'll go crazy. By Vuhar, you'll be crazy. You believe that stuff? By Vuhar, you'll be insane. Majnun. Because it's, it is that which it defies intellect. And when you really look and analyze it, defies intellect. So anybody who's connected to anything that's related to a the soul of Raja Nefsek, check yourself. This is not what the Prophet ﷺ, he came with. Stick to the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Stick to the way of the Salaf. You're not going to outdo the Salaf. Some of the, some of the Sahaba, because you got people like this, right? Some of the Sahaba, they were criticizing those who were around after the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but while they were still alive, people who would hear the Quran and get so emotional, quote unquote, and they'll faint. And then people will say, Oh, look what a good thing, mashallah, he hears the Quran, he has so much fear, he falls out, he faints. And the Sahaba would check him on this. They would say, There's no, there's no, there's no virtue in this. Those who were better than you heard the Quran and didn't faint. So what you falling out fainting for, thinking that you're gonna get some props for that? That's not playing. There was a man who was walking, and he was walking like he was so humble. And, Umar saw him, he punched him in the chest. Told him, man, stop, stop doing this. It's not from piety that you walk around all, you know, crazy. That's not from piety. He punched him in the chest. <laughs> Allah was that? What is this? He punched him in the chest. What are you doing, man? Stand up. It's not from piety. You're walking all like this. Nah, but you see it. You see them like this, Yanni, people. It's a fake piety. What's piety? What is an example of piety? Is the example of the Prophet. An example of piety is the example of the Sahaba. That's the example of piety. A person reads the Quran, they reflect over the meaning and so on and so forth, they start crying. Naam, this is what was done. They reflect over an ayah, they start repeating that ayah. SubhanAllah, they're crying. Naam, this is from piety. But you read the Quran, you say, <gasps> And you fall out, it's not pious. You take you to the doctor, something wrong. <laughs> now, I'm, no, yeah, something's wrong, and you falling out, something wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe it ain't gonna do a piety. Maybe the gin that's inside you don't like to hear what you're saying, like they don't like to hear the Quran being recited. You fall out. I don't know, but we got to do something, right? So, it's important to, again, this all goes back to what the standard is the standard. We don't come and invent stuff now, make up new things, no. Well, these things, these are the type of things the Sufis do. So it's important that these things are pointed out. Because the reality of it is, is that what? The people of innovation, the proofs from the Quran and the Sunnah, the way of the Salaf, refutes them. Refutes them. And if we didn't see it, then we're able to see that this hadith is a proof and an evidence against the Sufis. It shows that what they're pointing is falsehood. This noble Sahabi asked the Prophet about if I do this and this and that, 
will I go to Jannah in the occasion because he wanted Jannah. Now you're going to come and say, oh, we don't, we don't even care about going to Jannah. We do it because we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You think you're better than him? You're not better than him. He's better than you, and he wanted to go to Jannah. So what you're talking about is foolish. We won't hear this. Because nobody who came before you was upon this from the Sahaba. Now, the Sahaba, what they were upon, that's better. What you're talking about is, is completely insane. And then the Shaykh, he moves on to the next hadith, which is tremendous. As all of these hadith are tremendous. But bi Allah Ta'ala, we'll say that until the next time. فَلَعَلَنَا نَكْتَفِي بِهَذَا الْقَدَرِ وَصَلَى إِسَلَمَ عَلَى نَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ وَجِزَاكُمُ اللَّهُ خَيْرًا